Come see the new quiz show, Go Fact Yourself, with special guests Andy Richter and Fresh Air's Tanya Mosley. It's March 23rd at the Crawford. Get your tickets at las.com slash events. LAS Studios. Today on the LA Report, as a search continues for a local woman missing on Mount Baldy, we'll give you safety tips if you or your loved ones plan to hike our snow-capped mountains. Notify the authorities right away and we can initiate a search. And later, actor Alan Tudyk, known for his roles in movies like Rogue One and iRobot, will join me to talk about his latest role playing an alien who's posing as a human. It's Saturday, February 10th. I'm Julia Paskin, and that's coming up on the weekend edition of the L.A. Report from L.A.ist 89.3. But first, here's the latest news. A helicopter carrying six people crashed last night in eastern San Bernardino County. The helicopter is believed to have taken off from Palm Springs and went down around 10 p.m. near the Nevada border. The Federal Aviation Administration says they are investigating the crash, but the condition of the six people on board has not yet been announced. Meanwhile, the search continues for a missing woman that went on a hike in Mount Baldy during the recent storms. Authorities are expecting more people to try to take advantage of the mountains this weekend. So here's an important tip from Rob Klusman with Sierra Madre Search and Rescue. There's a misconception that you have to wait 24 hours before reporting somebody missing. That's not true. If somebody's gone missing on a hike when it's been you know, four or five hours since they were supposed to come home, notify the authorities right away and we can initiate a search and rescue for them. If you are thinking of going for a hike to take advantage of that view, you should also be careful. Klusman says take a whistle with you. You know, you blow a whistle. It doesn't take very much energy. The sound from a whistle carries a very, very, very long way. It can be heard from hundreds and hundreds of yards away. But that's not all you should bring. You know, a light source like a flashing light or a mirror. If you can reflect the sunlight off of a mirror, that can be seen from six, eight, ten miles away from the air quite easily. Another tip Klusman says to make sure you pack warm clothes just in case you need help up in the mountains. And he says his volunteer-run team typically conducts 90 to 110 search and rescue operations a year. For more tips, LAist.com. Meanwhile, you may know L.A.'s air is cleaner after last week's rainstorm, but do you know why? One big reason is because when rainstorms come through, they throw off the atmospheric layer that keeps smog close to the ground. That same phenomenon are also what we call June gloom, says Ryan Cattell of the National Weather Service. If you've ever flown out of LAX on a marine layer kind of day and, and it's all cloudy and foggy and then you don't have to go very far after takeoff when you, you're in the perfect sun, clear skies, You just see like a blanket of clouds below you. To read more about the science of why L.A. skies are so clear right now and to see some photos for yourself, LAist.com. And finally, Lunar New Year celebrations are happening this weekend around town. Thousands are expected in Westminster's Little Saigon for the Tet Parade, which features floats, dragon dancers, and marching bands. And then the Tet Festival is also in Costa Mesa through Sunday. That's at the OC Fair Convention Center. Tickets for that are 8 bucks. More after this break. Imagine if you could charge your electric vehicle at the places you already love to eat, shop, and play. 
Whether you're at the movies, on your weekly grocery trip, or running errands at your local mall, Volta EV charging stations are built around your day-to-day and located in your community and nationwide. All you have to do is check in, plug in, and go about your day. It's EV charging made convenient. Download the Volta app to find your new favorite place to charge. Welcome back to the LA Report. I'm Julia Paskin. Actor and voiceover artist Alan Tudyk visited us in studio to talk about the latest season of the sci-fi series Resident Alien out this week, and he immediately started to have fun behind the mic. And we've got traffic on the ones. We've got backups on every highway there is. You may recognize Tudyk as Wash in the short-lived cult hit Firefly or the voice of King Candy in Wreck-It Ralph and many other Disney films. He has a talent for playing unusual characters and shines as Harry Vanderspiegel in Resident Alien, an alien posing most of the time as a human. The signal will tell my people not to come and kill everyone for 50 years. What? After you are old and die... Then my people will come and they will kill the rest of the human race. What? You're welcome! I asked him how he created a character who was finding his own humanity while coming from an entirely different made-up species. When you have an alien character like this, he, it's, he comes from a totally different world. You know, they, they hatch eggs and the females are males and there's, there's things that we just can't even comprehend about what their experiences of life and so anything is possible and that gives you so much latitude as a performer i've played similar roles in the past that have helped me influence this i did irobot the character of sunny and irobot and the way that we figured out how to move as that character was an ergonomical way of movement the most uh, correct way the skeleton moves which is there's a thing called alexander technique it's the way you're meant to move and how children move. If you look at little kids, they have, their spines are perfectly straight. And when they fall, they just sort of sit down on their butts. So it was movement in an ergonomical way. And so that, that was how he began. And also speech became something of a way of saying words and the appropriate way of saying the words. As he's gone on, he's gotten better at it, and he can he can add just a little bit more, you know, alacrity in the way he speaks and emotion and humor. He now tells jokes. He <laughs> loves jokes. He tells bad jokes a lot. Any that you recall from season three? <sighs> Possibly something inappropriate about his genitals. <laughs> this is true. He does not shy away. No. <laughs> They are the funniest things. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's amazing to hear that in person. Um, I was thinking about so much of your career. They happen to be favorites of those of us that are a little nerdy, maybe. Oh, yeah. Um, I wonder if you're attracted to certain types of projects. They're all very imaginative. They're they're all very demanding as an actor. Is it because you're also a nerd or is it because it demands something of you artistically? I am an aspirational nerd. You know, I came to nerddom through Firefly, which was on Fox, and uh, canceled too soon. And I started going to Comic-Cons. And, well, they weren't necessarily Comic-Cons. There's all different little individual cons all over the world. Even back then, it was different because it's become much more corporate since. Mm -hmm. And 
I met fans and fans sort of took me by the hand and started showing me this world of conventions. And what I learned from the fans was this world of acceptance, which is so beautiful. And, you know, it's a place where you can go to have fun. It is, it's where people go and say, hey, I'm this character today. And everybody says, yep, you are. Nobody's there saying, no, you're not good enough for that. No, that is so, nobody even thinks to say that. That's who you are. Everybody just says, okay. There's not many places like that, spaces like that around. And then as an actor, you get to meet fans, which if you don't go to conventions because your projects you're doing are boring and (laughs) (laughs) they're all whatever, um, (laughs) that uh, there's not a place to really meet fans. You'll meet Mm -hmm. some when you go to premieres. They'll be like behind, you know, some some partitions. You can like sign a few headshots or some people will grab you at the airport. But that's, you know, a dozen. And usually those people are the ones who are selling them and they're really aggressive and a bit... They're in it for something else. They're not the true fans. They're making money off of it. Mm -hmm. So I'm an aspirational nerd. And the roles I play, part of it is it's just what I'm suited for. And part of it is you get cast in what you do mostly. You know, Mm -hmm. people know you from a thing. So when they're casting a thing, they go, oh, get that guy. (laughs) I always felt like that early on. They're like, well, we can't cast this robot. We need somebody who can move and do this voice, you know, speak like a robot. And a lot of people haven't really done something that we buy as a robot's voice that has emotion. And then I went to Juilliard and they were at that time in life, they were teaching us to be robots. (laughs) (laughs) So it worked perfectly. And then I did that and they're like, we need somebody who's a a pirate who plays dodgeball. Like who's going to play that? What about that weird guy who did that robot? And then after that, it just becomes, I, I've sometimes felt that if it's a role that's a little bit tricky, they go, well, at least see what he's going to do with it. I'll, I'll get a shot at it. I want to talk more about your vocal work. You've done so many known characters. One of the more more recent one is probably Disney's Wish. Mm. One of my favorites is in Rogue One of uh, K2SO. K2SO. Um, such a great character. We have a lot of aspiring actors, a lot of folks that are maybe mid in their career that are listening right now in this mm-hmm. town. Any tips that you have uh, insight into finding those voices in inside, especially when you have to relate so much to an audience without your body visible? Right. This has been a, a, a thing. It's something I do a lot. I do a lot of voiceover. And I've just learned as I've gone. You know, I, I have to... I look at the characters a lot of times, definitely with Disney. They've given me just a picture of the character and a basic idea of what they're doing in the story. Uh, oftentimes without reading a script. And like, who is this guy? Wow. Or this animal? And find a voice for him. And sometimes it'll just be like a little glossy sheen on the bottom lip that says that there's maybe just a, you know, just a little more spit. And it put a little bit of that same glossy sheen and then it becomes the front of the mouth and you find something that becomes a voice. Is this, is this at all helpful? And you just sort of play around until you find something. But the trick is, or, or the pitfall, is you get into just doing a voice in you know, it's going to be something that sounds like this. And so this would be the voice and this would be the character. But you don't give yourself the situation. Uh, you're just doing a line in a funny voice. Mm-hmm. And you need to say, okay, so I'm in a room. Like, go back to the basics of acting. And I want this thing from this person. And so you said, you, you know, oh, could you give that to me? And certain things pop out 
while you're saying it, uh, that you would not have planned for the voice, but it's the acting that actually takes you there. And nine times out of ten, you know, when you record voices, you'll do three in a row. That's a big thing they do. Do, do three in a row and... They'll say more like this, and you do three more in a row, and they'll say more like this, another three in a row. If it's not happening, and you've done like two or three three in a rows, and it isn't happening, I usually will be like, "Oh, I'm not even, I'm not even in the scene. I'm just now. I've started doing a voice, and you put yourself in the scene. All right, I may be a robot now, and I am uh, shooting somebody, but I'm worried about that person over there. So this is about trying to save somebody, and you put all of that in your head, and you say the thing." Even if it's Autobots roll out, you know, that it's something so ridiculous or something so cool. Um, uh, it will influence the way you say it. All right. Take note, <laughs> actors. In terms of uh, any other projects. Yes. Is there anything that you want to tell us about uh, in addition to Resident Alien Season 3? I'm doing a um, a voice in a couple of animated shows. One is Creature... Commandos that James Gunn wrote and directed. Oh, wow. And it'll be for uh, Max. And that comes out this year. Uh, the writing is just fantastic. And it was a comic book. It's this grouping of there's like a uh, Frankenstein. There's like a, the Bride of Frankenstein. There's a guy that looks like Ghost Rider. It's a skeleton on fire. There's the weasel. It's just group. It's like some are monsters, some are superhero types. And they're like, how does this group even work together? And then you read the script and you go, oh, my, this they, of course they're together. This has to be. They're all, they fit perfectly together because he's such a good writer. And it's so moving as animation has become. It's become so mature uh, that you can have things that are very funny, very violent, and very moving. And mm. that's all in that one. And then also uh, Grimsburg on Fox, which is funny. It's just straight up funny. It's a half hour with, I play a couple of characters. I play a, 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 a different skeleton on fire, um, who's a little boy's imaginary friend. Who's always trying to get him to do something crazy? Why don't we set that on fire? <laughs> he's always he's really likes that idea. But John Hamm is the lead, and it's uh, very it's really well written. Alan Tudyk, thank you so much for being with us. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Season three of Resident Alien is out on Sci-Fi and Peacock February fourteenth, and the first two seasons are also going to be available on Netflix also February fourteenth. Thanks for listening to the Weekend Edition of the L.A. Report. The Weekend L.A. Report is hosted by me, Julia Paskin, and produced by Kevin Tidmarsh and Monica Bushman. Our engineer is Sean Corey Campbell. The podcast is edited by Fiona Ng. Catherine Mailhouse is the Director of Content Development, and our Vice President of Podcasts is Shana Naomi Krokmal. Join us back here tomorrow. You can read more at LAist.com and listen live on the LAist app or on the radio at 89.3 FM. Listeners like you help make the L.A. Report possible. Please donate at las.com slash join. This podcast is supported by Gordon and Donna Crawford, who believe quality journalism makes Southern California a better place to live. Hey, it's Brian, the host of the How to L.A. podcast. How about we go to the movies? Join us for a 10-part series, Revival House, and discover the magic of L.A.'s indie theaters. Who knows? You might meet someone. I know it sounds antithetical because you're just sitting passively, but in fact, you're connecting with everyone else around you. 
Subscribe to How to LA from LA Studios wherever you listen to podcasts.